Well, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can turn to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, what we have here is uh, the, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, when you consider men, uh, that the, they usually are only counting men, so when we include women and children, it, some scholars believe it could be as high as 15,000 people. So this is the only miracle that Jesus has that appears in all four Gospels. So it has a great significance here. And here we have a little boy, and he has five barley loaves and two dried fishes for his lunch. And here we have uh, the boy gives his lunch up freely. Jesus multiplies the food, and there is so much left over, it's enough to fill 12 baskets. And scholars tell us those are little hand baskets, not big ones, but little hand baskets. And a lot can be said about this. But I want to concentrate tonight on just one concept here, and that's John chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus is speaking here. So when they filled, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments, the, the, the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. Let's pray here. Father God, we ask you tonight that we would learn this concept, Father, of gathering up the fragments that remain, that none would be lost, Father, that, Lord, we would have a principle that we're going to live with, Father, in our lives, uh, to honor you, Father, in how we use our days. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus said, gather up the fragments that remain so none, nothing is lost. Now only in John's gospel do we find this command of the gathering of the fragments. Some have supposed that it may be uh, to give back to the little boy who gave up his lunch. The Lord multiplied it for him. I would have no problem believing that. Um, this command here, though, it shows us from Jesus that there should be no waste. That's the key here. And these are obviously good fragments. They weren't garbage, not slobbers from people left over, throw it on the ground. Obviously, this is good food and good fragments. And Jesus commanded that it be not wasted, but picked up. Now, on a few different occasions here at church over the years, I've presented this topic to our congregation. I want to look at it again tonight. And why would we look at it again for so many times? Well, if you can imagine with me, what if you had holes in you? And just like in the cartoons, right, they drink water, and all the water comes out of the holes that they have, right? And it pours right out of them. And well, that's us. We have holes in us. We leak. Things that we hear once or twice, we tend to forget them when we should remember them. The Apostle Paul said in, in his letters that he had no problem repeating the same thing again. He said it was a safeguard for you. And that's an interesting point. So we're going to repeat this again, what we've done over the years here. Um, we tend to forget principles at times that we should walk in. We forget them. In other words, we just leak. You know, just like the cartoon character. And we need to be filled up again. So... Um, what I'm reminding tonight may be something that has leaked out of you. Maybe it's something you've never heard before. So we hope uh, you re would receive something from this. So that's just here. Uh, what, what we need to do here is to remember. Uh, and what we need to remember is as our year comes to a close and we enter into a new year, this is a good time for us to consider and pick up the fragments of our lives that we had in 2023. The good fragments, 
not garbage, the good fragments, so that we would have no waste and bring that into 2024. This should be a time where we're gathering up the good blessings the Lord has brought us in 2023 and bring them into a new year, lest there be waste. We don't want waste. What God has brought us should be precious. Any blessing of the Lord should never be discarded, but saved and treated as precious. Uh, his blessings. What has he brought to you? Has he brought you a better marriage this past year? Has he brought you better family relations? Um, healing. A deeper walk in prayer. A greater death to self. Uh, a new ministry that you're serving in, perhaps. What are the good things that entered into your life this past year? Maybe some people got a new beginning in life this year. These are things we want to bring into the new calendar year. Cultivate them so that he would pour out even more into us because we leak. We tend to forget. It's time to see what garbage that there was from 2023. And we don't want to bring that into a new year. Bad attitudes, uh, unforgiveness, carnal living, uh, any love affair we have with this world age, careless living. We don't want those in the new year. They're hindrances to us. They're things that prevent us from going on. What garbage have we seen this year? We need to not bring that into the new year. And let me ask you, if God has brought, and I'm sure he has, when you consider it blessings into your life in this past year, did you write it down on paper? Did you record it on paper? You should do that. You should write it in some type of a journal to remember it. We should do this. It's important for us that we remember what the Lord has blessed us with, lest we forget his goodness towards us. Uh, writing them down, what has God brought you in 2023 that's, that's good, is a good idea. It's an encouragement in the days ahead when maybe there's challenges to remember, look how faithful he has been. I'm not going to forget. Very important scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where uh, Moses here is um, commanding um, the people through the Lord here. And the Lord is speaking to them through Moses in chapter 8. In verse 11, the Lord says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, his statutes, which I am commanding you today. In our New Testament thinking, that would be, be careful not to forget the word of God. Okay, verse 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and you have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks increase, and your silver and your gold increase, and everything you have increases. Now, I'm sure nobody here has uh, flocks and herds, but you have banking accounts, you have investments. When they have increased, verse 14, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Other, verse 17, otherwise you will say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hands made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. There's a lot there. And that's interesting in verse 18, he is giving you the power to make wealth. This is originally written to the Jewish people. 
Why is it that the Jewish people have been so blessed over the centuries and to our day with a knack to make money? They have been blessed to do that. If they have been given the power to make wealth as the natural seed of Abraham. Isn't that something? And yet we have a greater covenant in Christ. So should we. And um, the point here is we are not to forget his goodness because we're very quick to pat ourselves on the back and think we have accomplished this and this and that. When instead we forget it is his grace that got me wherever I got this past year. Whatever goodness I saw this year, he brought me. He led me into it. His, his wisdom. Uh, he filled my mind with the things I need to do. My strength of my hands, not my ability apart from him. And it's important that we write those things down. That's a good habit to have. Uh, you can call it a blessing journal, whatever you want to write, call it, that you remember what the Lord has done for you. Every month that would be good to write that down in. And uh, why should we do this? Why should we remember? I'll give you three important points here of why we should remember the goodness of the Lord in the year that we live in. The first one is we need to stay humble. What I just read about people saying, my power made me this uh, wealth, my strength made me this wealth, they're not humble. All the more reason we need to stay humble. We need to always remind ourselves what he's done for us and what he's spiritually imparted to us. I mean, if you think you've grown greatly in the Word of God and in prayer and in discernment in the Spirit, don't pat yourself on the back. All you did was respond to the Lord. He brought you that light. He brought you that revelation. Your intelligence can't do that. Your hard work can't do that. If you could, what do you need Jesus for? The Lord gave me these good things as I applied my life to follow Him, to be a God chaser and run after Him. He met me and spiritually imparted things to me greater than I was the year before. So we need to remember that it's from him and from him only the good life that we experience is coming from. Lest, as the warning here we see in Deuteronomy, you get too big for your britches and you get full of pride and self-achievement. And forget it's the Lord your God who did that. Reminds me of a, of a Jewish joke. Every now and then, this is this is guy online. He puts down the best Jewish jokes of all times. He's Jewish. And so this guy is uh, riding down the road, and he's in the city, and he's got to get to an appointment real fast, and he can't find a parking space. And he's panicking. If he doesn't get to where he's going, the business deal won't go through. He's really upset, and he can't find a parking space. So what does he do? He prays. Oh, God, give me a parking space. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, give me a parking space. I'll go back to synagogue. I'll start giving again. I'll, I'll be nice to people. All of a sudden, the parking space opens up, and he pulls right in, and he goes, Ah, oh, never mind, God. I found one of my own. It's okay. <laughs> That's forgetting it's the Lord who's been good to you. We don't want to do that. So uh, we want to remember his goodness. So we want to stay humble. The second point here that's important to remember is we want to stay thankful. You know, days of encouragement could come to anybody. Being thankful of God's goodness keeps us in those days when there's discouragement. It makes us strong. It lets us know that what I'm seeing is not permanent. It is temporary. It will pass. It gives us the encouragement to go on, regardless of what it would be. 
So it's very important that we stay thankful because it's an old saying, I don't know where it comes from, but the devil will always tell you what you don't have, but he'll never remind you of what God has already given you. We need to be the ones to remember what God has done for us. The enemy will never remind you of, of, of uh, what God has done in your life. Never remind you of what God's delivered you from and how bad life they really was, and he pulled you out of that. He's never going to remind you of that. Well, how come you don't have this? Well, how come you don't have that? Other people are doing better than you. And he'll always remind you what you don't have in life. Never tell you what God's already done. Let's look at a scriptural example of that, a real good one. Psalm 103. I love this psalm. Now, you got to remember when we look at the psalms here, just to say quickly, this isn't a book you read like you're reading a narrative in the Bible, like the book of Genesis or Exodus. It doesn't tell stories. This is technically a poetry book in Hebrew. It's actually a song book. This is the song book of the tabernacle, and then the song book of the, of the finally, of the, uh, of the temple, eventually. And uh, these are songs. These weren't meant to be read. They were meant to be sung. Wow. And this is Hebrew poetry that we're reading. And when we see these, um, here's a mistake of how people would read Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's not how it should be read. Assuming you're not seeing this, it's something like, I don't want to blow your ears out. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's how they would read this. There's passion in it. This is poetry. There's gratitude in it. They can't say it loud enough how good the Lord has been to them. It isn't a casual reading. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget none of his benefits. That's not how it's to be read. It's to be read with a loud voice inside of you. Please don't scare the dog and the cats in the vent house. It's meant to be, bless the Lord. Oh my soul, I forget none of your benefits. Who heals all who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Loving kindness means covenant faithfulness. He's faithful to his covenant. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is a guy reading this, writing this, and reading this, proclaiming, my God has been good to me. There's passion behind it. That's how we should be reading that when we read it. There's a passion behind it because we're thankful. And the eagle here is so fascinating in Scripture. Uh, there's so many analogies here of the eagle. Here in verse 5 here, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The eagle, how does the eagles renew its youth? Does he go to the spa? Does he get a makeover? Does he get his nails done? His little talons? No. Uh, the eagle sits and waits patiently as the old feathers fall off so that new ones come forth. That speaks of being patient and waiting on the Lord for him to do his work in me and through me without my help. Isn't that good to know he doesn't need my help? A lot of people, the way they live their lives, they think God can't do anything without their help. Now, he'll find somebody else. He invites me to co-labor in his field. He doesn't need my help. He does this all by himself, a work of grace in my life. Hey, something I found out recently and did not know. I don't know if you knew this. It's not a joke. Um, birds tend not to attack eagles. 
It'd be a very dumb thing to do. But there's one bird that will attack an eagle, and that is a crow. And when they attack an eagle, they jump on the eagle's back and start pecking at its neck. How does the eagle react? Hey, yo, whoa. No, 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 no. The eagle just simply takes off and starts to fly and soars higher and higher and higher. Why? Because the eagle can breathe up at that altitude. The crow can't. They faint, fall off the eagle, hit the ground, and they're dead. He doesn't even fuss. He just does what comes natural to him to soar, and the ones attacking him just fall right off. That should be us. We should be as eagles. What's my point here? The closer we press into the Lord in prayer, the closer that we get to the Lord in our spiritual life, and we remember all his benefits, the troubles and the crows of life pecking at us do fall off. All of a sudden, what we thought were big problems aren't really big problems at all. This too shall pass. This isn't going to distract me anymore. The more I, deeper I go into the Lord's presence, the more the things that are not of the Lord fall away, that were a nuisance. Instead of attacking them, I just soar higher in the presence of the Lord, and He takes care of the rest all for me. So time in His presence heals a lot of wounds. Time in His presence destroys a lot of troubles that would seek to overtake us. So here we have in Psalm 103, we are to be thankful. We are to be a people that remember the goodness of the Lord, all the goodness He's done for us. Every day, some way, I try to incorporate this in my daily prayer. Sometimes it's part of the daily prayer, sometimes it's not. I know people, this is their daily prayer every single morning. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Hey, that's a good choice. Uh, but the point here is that we are to forget none of His benefits that came to us in 2023. Don't forget them. They're good fragments to gather up and bring into the new year. What has God done for you this past year? What has He brought you uh, out of? What has He brought to you? Uh, what healing has He brought to you? Sometimes emotional healings are just as valid as physical healings. What growth in Christ have you experienced that God's brought to you? Don't forget these things. These things we should remember and carry into the new year in 2024. How did the Lord use you in ministering to other people? And you noticed it like, that never happened before that way. Wow, bring that into the new year. There's more happening. Okay, so we have here three points that we should remember. One we did, we want to stay humble. Second is we want to stay thankful. And now number three, we want to expect more. We want to expect more. We need to remember to be expectant of even more. Our God is always the God of the more for us because as His will advances in our lives, His name is glorified and made higher because we don't take the credit for it. We are reflecting His credit. We are reflecting all that goes back to Him. Uh, when the good things are seen in our lives, He gets the credit for it. Uh, so if we don't treat these things that God has done for us as sacred and worth keeping, then we are like another part of Jesus' parable and another one uh, where He talks about how the pigs would uh, run over the pearls and trample on the pearls taking things that are precious and sacred and treating them like they have no value. 
What God gives us are pearls. We need to treat them that way. There's something special. And you know, something to mention here, whenever you, you hear that expression where Jesus says you know, about the uh, swine trampling over the pearls, did you know the pearl is a very unusual gem? Uh, because it's the only gem that ever came from a living thing. Did you ever consider that? And you ever know how poor pearls are developed? The oyster gets wounded, and the pearl is the healing for the wound that comes out. How about that? It comes out of a healing. It's a wound healer. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus would de uh, describe the church as. If he had to pick one gem, he didn't say diamond. It was a pearl. Because we come out of his living being, we are his healing. To ourselves and to the world. So when God gives us pearls here, we, we come out of the wounds of Christ. That blood covenant that he's faithful always to, to keep. Isn't that great? I always thought that was super cool. So now we had a time of the year uh, in December, which is a good time of the year to start looking at the fragments of the year. Some people spend their whole month of December seeking the Lord for the new year. What has God done in my life in this past year? What I'm talking about right now. Uh, they, we're looking for the good fragments of 2023 and we seek the Lord. 2022, 2023, and we seek the Lord on it. It's good to do this every year. So that's why I'm doing it now, and I've done this in years past here at Grace and Peace. Uh, we need to always be reminded that this should be part of our, of our Christian year when we're examining our life in Christ, where we're going in the next year. Because at the year's end, it's very good that we ask ourselves hard questions, important questions. You know, when athletes don't win in ball games, they ask themselves real hard questions. Because if they don't learn from their mistake, they're going to have more losses. And that's unacceptable. So they have to ask themselves hard questions of how they got this uh, point to lose that particular game. Um, so I hope you brought something to write down with. These are, if not, you can listen to the podcast. There's all types of questions you could ask for real growth in Christ that are hard questions. One real important one is, where did I die to self this past year? That's a big one. That speaks of growth. That speaks of growth. Because when I get to meet Christ as my Savior, the one who was no longer exists. I live for the praise of his glory. I have a new life in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away. All new has come. That old man is dead. Let's leave him dead. I may look like the same one, but I'm not the same person anymore. There's somebody different inside of me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have the life of, and the presence of God in me. But my soul realm is not born again. My mind, my intellect, my personality, my willpower, I still choose to sin because I'm selfish. Where am I dying to self in these days, in this past year? Right? The Apostle Paul says what? I die daily. That pretty much says it all. <laughs> I die daily. Wow. That's a very personal thing to ask yourself. Where have I died in this past year? Whereas... The old Ralph who tried to keep living on finally died and got, got rid of him, and he's not coming back anymore. Where did that happen this past year for me on a personal level? These are the hard questions to ask. How have I become less and Christ has become more in my life this past year? Another question. Where have I become less 
and Christ has become more. Those were John the Baptist's words, right? That he would be greater and he would become less. That's growth, where there's less of me and more of Jesus. Hopefully, something happened there. Can I spot it? Can I see where that happened? Um, Another one interesting here that people don't like to ask themselves, what adversity has God brought me through this year that has changed my character and made me more godly? What adversity did I experience this year that changed me? Did you know that real character is produced through adversity and hard times? That's why the World War II generation and the generation of the 1930s are tough people. They've been through the hardship and the hard times, survived it, and they were men and women of greater character. Those days are gone. I come from a baby boomers generation. They're a bunch of selfish babies. And unfortunately, it gets worse. So if you're younger, ha, ha, ha. It gets worse. Yep. That builder generation of World War II, the Depression generation of the 30s, they're pretty much gone. Those were the last really tough people that we had living in this country. And they got tough through the adversity that they had to deal with in life and produced real character in them. Um, We need to let go of our own strength and depend on his. I think the closest we've got to that, and that's sort of a evaluating time, is the COVID time that, that this nation's been through. That was a hard times opportunity. How did we do? Don't answer questions. How did we do? Some of us didn't do very well. Some of us changed a great deal. Some of us got tougher. Some of us got more sober about the things of the world and the days we live in. Others didn't do so good. It was a time of adversity as we have never seen before in America in a very, very long time. I mean, my gosh, the last massive epidemic they had or pandemic, is that the word? Was uh, the Spanish flu in uh, 1920 where, what, 25 million people died in the world? Whoa, with a much smaller population? Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Yeah, real adversity produces character in us. Also here, other questions that we could ask or we could ask of ourselves. Where has God shown his glory to me in my life in this past year? Where has he shown his glory? Where did I see the face of God this year? Where did I see his glory manifested? That's a cool thing. You don't ever want to forget that. Maybe people you minister to, maybe uh, people's lives that you saw changed. You're seeing the glory of God in other people's lives, and that's something that you can glean from. So where did I see his glory this past year? How has the kingdom of God advanced due to my faithfulness in service this past year? If there was no faithfulness to service, yes, you know what you're going to be doing in 2024. You're stepping up to faithfulness. But where has the kingdom of God advanced due to my faithfulness in service this past year? I know of many people I've met here at our own church that I'm amazed at how God used them this past year in touching other people's lives. I would never embarrass them to mention their names, but they sure impressed me. I'm like, wow, they're, they're a lot better than I am. I give them credit. I'm amazed when I see the unselfishness that people have poured into other people's lives. Absolutely amazes me. Calls me to a higher calling in life.
So these are the kind of questions, and there could be more. These are just some samples of asking ourselves the hard questions at the end of the year, evaluating the year. And if you didn't do so good, that's okay. You get to do it all over again the next year. It's all right. It's a test where if you fail it, no problem, take it again, where you can learn how to grow in Christ. Uh, so will we plan to be obedient and faithful disciples of Christ in 2024, uh, where we have uh, an ear to hear and a heart to serve our risen Savior? Will that be said of us in this next year? So as we reflect and we pick up the good fragments that remain, we now purpose to grow further in this next year. Notice carefully what I said. We purpose to grow further. Did you know that you need to grow on purpose? Isn't that an amazing statement? Some people think, poof, God just does it automatically. No. He responds to our faithfulness, our faith in his word, our faith in walking out his word, our pursuing him, our unselfishness, our acts of service is purposing us to grow. We need to grow on purpose. We need to make it a purpose and a priority to grow in Christ. We decide to grow, and we declare we're going to do that by what I do with my time, how I spend my time in the Word of God, which we'll have some sermons on that in January, how we're going to spend some time in the Word, some time in prayer, some time in serving my brothers and sisters in Christ and this community. So any increase that we want to see, I'm sure people will say, oh, I want more increase in 2024. What are you going to plan for? What are you going to purpose to make that happen? Now, it's not going to be your efforts. It's going to be you submitting to the Lord's goodness, and he'll make it happen. Now, that's an odd thing to some people, that they have to do something. Some Christians, they just float by year by year without any purpose direction and just hope for the best. That is not what we're meant to do. Uh, how can I put it? I was going to have a graphic. I didn't do it. Imagine, you know, someone knows Christ in 19, uh, or 2018, then 2019, then 2020, then 2021, then 2022. If you notice, it's a straight line. Nothing's changing. But what if I knew Christ in 2018, and then 2019, and then 2020, and then 2021, and then 2022? What's happening there? It's on the increase year by year. That is where we want power growth in the years, not level years. I've encouraged a lot of people sometime in uh, marital counseling, don't have a marriage that goes by one year after another and you've lived 20 years of marriage and you really went nowhere. Have a marriage where every year your marriage is advancing in some way and you're growing on a power level where you would look back and say, wow, we're a lot different from we were 20 years ago. We're different people today, but a different direction with a greater purpose. Rather than, yeah, 20 years went by. How about that? Look at that. Wow. Nothing much has changed. Hey. That's not a compliment. Rather, what have you purposed in your marriage? And that's what you'll have. If you purpose nothing, you'll get nothing. It's the same thing as your growth in Christ. What am I purposing every year to grow in the Lord? That is something we have to purpose to do. Something we plan for and purpose for. So real growth in Christ 
is measured not by the duration of years, but by the devotion in those years. I have met people, haven't been years-wise that long in the Lord, and they're a lot further along spiritually than people that have been walking with the Lord 25 years because they do something with the time they have as a believer to grow in Christ. They purpose to grow in Christ. And that's what I'm talking about. Real growth is measured by the devotion, not just the time of the years that go by. So Christians um, that will excel in 2024 are people who plan to excel in 2024. So that's a good time now, this time of the year, to ask the Lord, how will you excel as a believer in 2024? In your prayer time, maybe in your time in the Word, or maybe in just sharing the gospel um, with people that just don't know Christ, or living a life where people see, that, oh, this guy's really a believer by the way he acts. Anyway, so if we plan to excel in 2024, we need to plan to do something with our time, talent, and treasure. That's a common expression to evaluate yourself, to plan your life, time, talent, and treasure. Let's look at that briefly tonight, because that could be a whole uh, separate teaching here. Time. Uh, growth in Christ is always equal to the time of the devotion that we spend in His presence. Growth in Christ is always equal to the time of devotion that we spend in his presence. Um, if we want to find God's plan and his purpose for our lives in this upcoming year, we need to spend time in his presence to get those answers. They're not just going to fall from the sky or hope for them. Are we spending time in his presence to find those answers? We don't need new New Year's resolutions. We need new vision for the new year. Time in his presence gives you vision. And with that vision, we live on purpose and we live inspired by Holy Spirit. That's where we want to go, to live an inspired life by Holy Spirit because we've spent time in his presence, because he's given us vision, <clears throat> and because the time of devotion that we have will provoke growth in my life. Talent. God has gifted all of us. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. Have you discovered your giftings? I did a sermon on that on Sunday on November 19th. You can listen to that in the podcast. We have a spirit gift testing test that you can take to help you discover that. If you haven't found your giftings, you need to find them because they'll help define how you will excel in this next year. When you go with the gift that God's given you, it's nothing more frustrating to try to do something in something you're not gifted in. And I always like to use the example, I will never spend time uh, going anywhere in the, in the kingdom of God ministering to little children. I have no anointing for it. None. There's no gifting there. I don't do that. I let other people do that. I encourage other people to do that, but I don't do that. Why? There's nothing there. I don't have any giftings in that area. I can try, but it'll be frustrating. There's nothing more frustrating than uh, to try to be in a music ministry, right? If you can't play an instrument or you can't sing. 
I love to sing, but you can't hold the tune. You don't belong in the music ministry. Uh, that's frustrating, you know. Or doing something you're just not gifted for. Uh, rather, go with what you're gifted for. That's why you have those gifts, that you'll excel in serving in the Lord in a way that He's already gifted you to do that. Uh, so, if you have found your giftings, how will you use them in 2024? Will you purpose to use them? Something to really question. Do you want to grow in 2024? We want the Lord's blessings in our lives, but how do we say we want them when we don't want Him? doesn't work like that. We need to have him first. All right, we have time, talent, treasure. Treasure is an important one. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age, oops, stop. Here's where we got to pause. That's us. I forgot the exact statistic, but if you have money in your pocket or money in the bank, you are further ahead than 93% of the rest of the world. Wow. The rest of the world wonders where its next meal is going to come from. If you have any money at all, guess what? You are now in the richest percentage of planet Earth. Bizarre. Wow. That's us he's speaking to. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in the uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So our finances are also, how about that, directly related to our growth in Christ. That's a bizarre thing. Medical science has found out the longest nerve in the human body goes from your heart to your wallet. You'll find I'm right. They have found that out. Took them long enough. Yeah, it's, our wallets mean everything to us as Americans. But how will I honor the Lord with my finances? So, how will I grow in the grace of giving in 2024? So, if I get a raise at work in 2024, does God's church get a raise? I'll make a bold statement here. Bold, here it comes. Here comes bold. How you treat his church is how you treat him. Amen. That's a strong statement. I can't see him, but I can certainly see his church. I can certainly see the body of Christ. And I'm a part of that. So how I treat my church, the body of Christ, is how I treat him. And my finances are part of that. Will I use my finances to advance the gospel in my generation at my fellowship of believers? Wow. Some of you may want to, as far as treasure, want to make it a strong purpose to get out of debt in 2024 as best as possible. You may have to say no to yourself, but saying no to yourself is also growth. Amen. That's a biggie. I know there are people right now involved in that. Uh, they're in a process of a five-year plan or a three-year plan to get out of debt. Praise God. You're on the right track. Don't stop. Now, we could add to time, talent, and treasure other things. A couple quickies to mention. How about marriage and family? How will your marriage grow in 2024? If you don't purpose to do that, it won't. You'll be just stagnating one year after another. You have to plan to make a marriage prosperous. 
You know, we've always used the example of the garden. Uh, your marriage is like a garden. What you plan in it comes up. And if you let the weeds grow, it will choke your garden. You have to tend your garden. You have to tend to your marriage. You want it to grow in 2024. And for family here, how will you purpose for your children or for your grandchildren to grow in the nurture of God in 2024? How to grow in the Word of God? What, what plans are you thinking about? Are you thinking about plans to have them grow in their uh, growth in Christ in 2024? Some of you need to turn off the TV and have a family Bible study time or watch some Christian DVDs and stuff. Uh, I remember a father one time was very serious. He said, I want my son to love to read the Word of God. And he was talking to Pastor Walt, actually. And Pastor Walt had a quick response and said, well, if you want your uh, children, your son, to read the Word of God, he needs to see his father reading the Word of God. Yeah. How about that? My son, when he was growing up, hated to read. And I used to, I used to be reading a lot. He goes, what are you doing again? I'm reading. Why are you doing that for? Because he hated it. So I'm not stupid. So I learned. Uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's satisfying. Uh, I don't like reading. But he learned as he got older, he's got to like to read. And of course, there's the image of his father reading. So, hey, if you want your children to learn how to read the Word of God, they got to see dad, not mom, dad reading the Word of God. Wow. Some parents here, they need to get involved in Royal Rangers and Missionettes next year. That's your growth as a family, and you're towards your children and seeing them grow in the Lord. I, I've told people here many times, if I wasn't one of the pastors here, and I had to serve at, at the Church of Grace and Peace, I would be serving in Royal Rangers. I can't quite see myself going camping, but I can serve, I can help, because that is one of the most important investments that we have, is to seeing our young people uh, grow up to serve the Lord. So, you know, families, marriages, do we want to grow in 2024? It comes down to what plans are you going to put in motion to make that happen? Is everybody getting this? I hope I'm not talking to myself. Because I am talking to myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm going this. Okay, you failed here, you failed here, you failed here. Let's get it right next year. Yeah, I'm learning too, folks. So as we draw to a close here a little bit tonight, uh, things that I've been saying here, God expects us to be productive in his kingdom, for his kingdom in 2024, and more productive than we were the year before. Not more self-labor, I didn't say that, but more faith being extended towards him to believe him for greater fruitfulness. So the question is, will we believe God greater in 2024 than we did in 2023? What are we believing him for? Are we believing for kingdom fruitfulness on the jobs we work? Are we believing him for kingdom fruitfulness in our church service where we serve the Lord in our assembly of believers? Are we believing him for greater kingdom fruitfulness in our prayer lives? Are we believing him for greater fruitfulness in our marriages, in our parenting? He's asking, will we believe him? And ask him and invite him to do something great in and through us that we could not get the credit for or do without his help. So having a covenant God, having a God with a covenant, we should be prospering, just like we read in Deuteronomy, in all that we put our hand to do. 
So I hope you'll take time in your personal lives as you leave here tonight, maybe over the next week or so, to go pick up some fragments. It'll be time well spent. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. What fragments do you need to pick up to bring into the new year? Here's a quote from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. This is the Phillips translation. And it says, make the most of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. Make the most of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. I don't have to explain to you that we live in difficult days. I see the decade of the 20s, the 2020s as a difficult decade, spiritually. I do see that. I do see a lot. Already what we've seen is not good. And there's going to be even greater adversity in my personal opinion. I could be wrong, but in my personal opinion, I see this as a challenging decade. So the days we live in are, are difficult, but we have a great God that's asking us to believe him above and beyond by what we experience day by day. There's challenges to people on so many levels. I get it. Yet, the days of 2024, those of you who remember in school, are a tabula rosa, a blank slate. 2024 is a blank slate. There's nothing written on it. But something will be written on it. What will we write on it? We will write something. What will it be? What will we write on it? That's really the question here for us. What will we write on 2024? We wrote something already on 2023. Maybe we want to erase it real quick, or maybe we're proud of what we wrote. I don't know, but we already did something. What's 2024 going to look like? Now, God will respond. Our Father God will respond to the decisions of our free will. He'll never force us to do anything. And when we extend our faith towards him, he meets us. He's waiting for you to just, and me, to just believe him. Taking the promises of his word and believing him. That even though I may have no evidence in the natural to see this come to pass, I believe you, it will come to pass. So I would encourage you today to leave the garbage of 2023 behind you and pick up the good fragments of 2023 and bring them into 2024. Let's pray. Father God, we welcome the good plans you have for us. Your word tells us from Jeremiah, the plans you have for us are for good. They're for a future and a hope. Father, we recognize these can be the best of days, not the worst of days. That if the worst of days are around us, it can be the best of days for the believer. So, Father God, we yield our lives to you in 2024. Do something great, Father God, in and through us this year coming up that we would have advanced and we'll notice it, that your hand brought this. That we will not forget it is you who has given us the power to make wealth. It is you who has given us the power to advance the gospel in this generation. We thank you, Father God. We place ourselves before you, Father, and we write good things, your will, your inspired goodwill on our lives in this upcoming year. And we receive that tonight and declare it forth in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen.